0: Welcome to Graging Acefully, a podcast of transcontinental sister friends discussing the art of graging acefully. I'm Amanda Topping.
1: And I'm Kate Stroud. And today we are talking about post-social anxiety, which we both had the past yeah, week. Oh my,
0: yeah, we've got so much to say on this. Actually, um, a website called com didn't know that okay. existed it, 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 yeah the definition is when a person is stuck thinking over and over about an event that occurred they're experiencing post-event rumination post-event rumination is a common experience <clears throat> pardon, for those overcoming social anxiety so it's part of social anxiety clearly so um do you want to do you want to Do you want to start the conversation?
1: Sure. Um, I'm. I'm just going to acknowledge the post-social anxiety I had after um, our our last our our pilot ship, and listening to it and realized how much I talked um, through that thing. And um, Mandy and I talked about it, and she's like, "Well, just like our three-hour phone calls, it's just it's not a three-hour phone call." And I was like, "Oh yeah, gotta be mindful of that." Um, So um, yeah, social anxiety has been pretty um has held some large moments in my life uh the biggest one um I had social anxiety growing up um of which you know I think I talked about it a little bit last week that I would you know once especially once I was older like teenage years uh using um alcohol as a social lubricant which I don't really recommend um but I think a lot of us used alcohol or use alcohol in that way. Um, but when I went to college, uh, my social anxiety. Uh, I went to Michigan State for a degree in marine biology um, at Lyman Briggs, um, which is a residential real? college. I
0: had no
1: idea that was you We learn something new every day. There yeah, uh, we yeah. are yeah I, it's like I always had the expectations of like, Oh well you graduate high school, you go to college. it's just what you do and um it was not necessarily my jam uh when when it came to apply to colleges, I applied to one um I didn't really care. it was the school my brother went to, so it's like the one I had visited um there's Michigan state, um uh, both my parents graduated from Michigan, so like in the state of Michigan, there's Michigan and Michigan state, and there's big rivalry and um I just was like, I don't think I can get into Michigan. I don't really care if I get into Michigan. State's fine. Um, I did have some interest in sciences and, um, you know, studying marine biology, but um, in all reality, uh, if my little inner soul could have been my authentic self, um, I would have applied to the Center for Creative. Well, it's not. It's the College of Creative Studies and studied art. But um, I did not have that in me to um, identify or follow that path. I, I thought I was kind of definitely doing that. Well, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. So um, it wasn't you know, an authentic drive that brought me to that place. And then once I was there, um, there was a lot of factors playing into it. But um, I got to the point where I could hardly leave my dorm room. And I got um, what I call borderline agoraphobic. Um and it was really difficult. Um, I remember there's like one picture in existence somewhere of me and like my papas on chair under my blanket. And it just embodied what I felt for that four-month period. Um, I did have, being in Lyman Bricks, I did have some classes in my dorm that I could like kind of drag myself to. Um, but anything out on campus was almost impossible. I remember going to my math final and just being like, <laughs> this woman I went to high school with, I was like,
0: what are you doing
1: here and she'd been in my class the entire time I just never went to class um so I got <laughs> out of my first semester of college with a 1.3 um and met with my parents in a Bill Naps in Lansing and told them oh, I would oh Bill
0: Naps! I
1: know they right like cake they have really good yeah. chocolate cake they? remember the vegetable soup <laughs> um for anyone who doesn't know Bill Naps is like it's like um it's like the Bill- old per, it's known to be like the old person restaurant um like it's like it's like the aarp um yeah american with food quintessential
0: food. bland american comfort food yeah
1: it's it's kind of poorly done. Like, yeah it was kind of like just a step up from um you know the food you'd get in like a a nursing oh, home a nursing home yeah I, I was trying to find a more eloquent word to say than that but um but yeah, so I remember... It was embarrassing home food with a little salt. <laughs> with a little bit more flavor. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I remember it, that was a tough conversation. My my mm. my parental units were not super pleased with me. It's a little bit of a shock to them. Um, and then from there, it just kept on creeping in. Like I could take a couple steps forward and then just be crippled. Um, mm. And then sometimes it was circumstantial. Like when I moved to Ann Arbor... I could go to my work. I could do my job, but um, walking outside of my apartment during the day, which happened to be located on Division Street, which was right downtown Ann Arbor, um, was horrifying to me. So, um, and you're going to laugh at this next sentence I'm going to say. So, I would take my ferret out on a leash at night to take him for a walk in the dynamic <laughs> you were one of those people with a ferret <laughs> well, I was third owner. nobody wanted him because he was a total asshole um, yeah his name was grinning uh, grinning ferret my aunt helen named him hilarious um, yeah so uh I just felt like throwing that sentence in because I knew it put a giggle in your giggle in your step um that makes so, me want to draw so, like, a comic of you walking a ferret in an nanor- I, I really I, I really... Filing that features. away for a future oh, yeah. greeting card. Yeah, that'll be a future greeting card. Um, so <laughs> so that was, like, one of my bigger moments. Um, but it's, it's definitely been woven through my entire life. But um, after I had kids, um, Sam, actually, um, my son... Uh, Who was super social as a kid kind of dragged me out of it. I had no choice. He would just talk to anybody, Um, and and so that kind of helped me. And then getting into teaching um, when I taught childbirth ed to, you know, pregnant Ann Arbor couples who were like all academics at U of M and doctors and all these things, and I had total imposter syndrome, having panic attacks in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But that helped me find you know and, and settle into my performative boots because i do love performing um so uh that has definitely helped over the years and then i feel like I, I occasionally get it now but it's not as loud but i think after having cancer and some shit happening i'm just like well fuck it <laughs> It's not a hundred percent, but it, it doesn't happen as often or if my post-social anxiety happens, it's not as, um, it's not as crippling as it was at one point in my life. It's more of just like, Oh, what, what am I supposed to learn here? Like, that's more of what it is now. I don't do the shame cycle. So how about you?
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, let me think. I didn't, as you know, I didn't go to university. Um, I did at one point. So I remember, you know, like I started waiting tables when I was 19 and that was like trial by fire, but it was the best thing I could have done for like, um, to get off of being shy to, you know, because I was forced onto the floor and there's that weirdness when you wait tables of like, I'm the only person standing up and walking around this large room of seated people. And that feels like everyone's staring at me. Nobody's staring at you. Right. And like, um, unless you're bringing their food, but it, that, as much as I like love to hate that job, um, it really forced me to grow. And during that time, I really, really wanted to go to university to college and it just wasn't financially possible. Nobody in my family had ever gone to university. Nobody knew how to like, help me figure out how to do that. Like there was no examples. I didn't take my SATs. I was, you know, I was like, why should I, (laughs) I'm not going. Um, and I remember I was like 20 or so and I wanted to take like a creating writing, creative writing class at like a community college. And a waitress, an older waitress, like kind of helped me figure out how to do that. This is all pre-internet, right? So you had to go in person and talk to folks, which was terrifying, but I did it and I paid for the class. And on the first day, it was like a night class. I showed up and had a complete panic attack in like the hallway and couldn't oh. couldn't enter the room I couldn't enter the room um and went back into my car and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and
1: probably oh. smoked
0: four cigarettes back to back and then drove home oh. um I must have been older than that actually because I was married I got married what like 22 two? <laughs> was older. older. um so maybe it was 23 i was 23 when that happened and uh i came home and greg was like kind of you know annoyed and it's not, he was like what's the big deal just do it is this is something you really wanted to do and i was like i i can't like i physically couldn't i felt so full of shame i was so embarrassed you know and you know like that's like all i wanted to do was right i wrote and wrote and wrote back then I had so many journals and short stories and all of that shit
1: um, which got burned in the great Purge 2020 <laughs> man <laughs> then, you burned those you really did burn those that was like oh you're doing it
0: everything's gone practicing non-attachment but that was like a, a really big moment aside from like just being painfully shy during my school years and it what didn't help is that my family moved um lots of times. I lived with my mom and my siblings and we just moved. I went to many different schools, lived in many different neighborhoods. And it was always this like, fuck, you know, I got to meet new people. I got to figure out. And so what ends up happening, I think, or what happened for me in that instance is that I became this observer, right? Because you're so like, how do I act? How do I dress? How do I speak? What is true? What's not true? You know, So I feel like those skills got really sharply honed during my early formative years. Um, And then much like you, you know, my passion projects turned into careers of like birth. And yeah, when I had my first kid, it was like that kind of mama bear fierceness came over me and I no longer gave a shit what anybody thought. Um, and for the first time in my life, I became really comfortable in my own body because I was so like, I just grew this baby and pushed it out of a hole of my body and
1: (laughs) just a hole,
0: (laughs) just a hole. And now these boobaloobas are making milk. Like I had no idea. Again, nobody in my family ever talked about birth. Nobody breastfed. Um, they thought it was nuts for doing it. And, um, and I was just amazed. And I think that it was a really profound experience to help me um, shake off that anxiety. Uh, and then yeah, birth work turned into midwifery, a good deal of imposter syndrome too, because like you said, we were serving a lot of like
1: affluence
0: academics, a lot of people who had a lot more money than we had, um, and a lot more education than either of us had. Like, you know, uh, what is the word for it? Because I, I, I hate saying like, oh, I'm not educated. I'm like educated. Oh, you're super educated. Like, as I get out, it's you. just not like, what is the word for it? <laughs> Brain fog Formal here. education? Formal education. Good gravy. Yes. Formal education. Right. But then yeah, I remember. It... Out
1: with you and Greg, I feel like dumb half the time when you, especially oh, when God. you get your machine gun humor going. I'm just like, I don't know. What you're talking about. Now. I'm like, <laughs> oh, ha, you. Ha, ha, ha. that was my post-social anxiety. Sometimes, like hanging out with you and Greg, I'm like, ha, 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 ha. No, I'm, sorry. I'm Laughing at. No, Word. it's not sorry. It's just it is just understanding as I get older. Like everybody knows different shit. It's like, yeah, right. you guys have your conversations all the time. I don't read the books you read, but you also don't do the stuff I do, and so it's just everybody is a s- specialist in their own and jam on Right. So just, But as a younger person, just like, I don't know anything. Dang it. Right.
0: But when you get into birth work and I got into birth work, I think there's a certain degree of like, you realize it doesn't, and that was another profound kind of leveling up, right? Like, yes, these people have PhDs and yes, these people, you know, whatever, have traveled and whatever, have all the credentials and the papers that have been (laughs) published and yada, yada. And then- I'm like, but they're coming to me for the information that they don't have. Right. They're
1: coming. Right. I'm the subject specialist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm the subject specialist and they trust me. And so why don't I trust myself? And I was like, this is ridiculous. I fully trust myself, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and I have something to offer. And then of course, what you realize when you're doing that kind of work, particularly when you're attending folks, uh, in labor and giving birth, whether it's in hospital or home, is that like everybody has fears and everybody is probably going to have a little poo when they're pushing, and everyone's,
1: you know, <laughs> I was just thinking like everybody poops, everybody
0: poops, and you're just like, what, well, you know, what, like we're all human, and that's it. This, is... so anyway, gosh, that tangents is always, but those were kind of like my growing my stepping stones toward kind of leaving post-social anxiety. Now, what I do want to say is last Monday when I uh, published our first pilot (laughs) ship episode (laughs) and unbeknownst to me, Kate was at a conference in Philly, Uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Sunday to to Wednesday
1: I was hmm. yeah
0: so I'm sure you told me and I can't keep track of anything unless it's written down but Mm -hmm. so I like publish it and I had figured out like how to get it onto the different we are now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and and other smaller podcast platforms that I can't remember the names of but I was like oh my gosh I did it I did it I did it and then like I actually because I listened to the whole thing when I edited it but then I was like, well, now I have to listen to it again <laughs> that it's <Right>. published. <clears throat> and I completely freaked out. And so I started sending Kate a bunch of texts like, did you listen to it? Did you listen to it? It's live. It's up. Did you do it? Did you? And just like crickets. One, there's a five-hour time difference. But then I was like, fuck. And then I'm sending you Marco Polo. It's like, dude, I need you to listen. <laughs> I'm freaking out. Everyone's going to hate us. We're terrible. This is bad. What do we do? It was a plea. It was it.
1: a total plea of just like, I'm in this conference. You know, for the company, I'm just like, I'm gonna go take an hour. I just gotta step away because, like, my friend's freaking out. And then I I had my own freak. I was like, I wanna listen to it, but then I'm like, I need to listen to it. Like, it was (sighs) curiosity and horror all wrapped up into one. Um, But I did listen to it, and I'm like, I was sitting on the floor of the conference uh, place eating the free breakfast they had because, I just like buffets um, I and, eat my- and I love, yes. you know, I was just like, Sorry. I'm like, can I just have a plate of hash browns? Um, <laughs> and I just sat there on the floor, staring out the window, looking at downtown Pittsburgh and listening to us talk. And I loved it. And um, I even got a little teary at, at moments, you know, and, um, but yeah, your post-social anxiety, it was super funny to for you to have like a huge flare up, um, about this podcast in particular. Um, but yeah, it's the whole vulnerability part. And you had mentioned something about, um, becoming an observer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you have, well, I'm not going to speak for anybody else when I have so post social anxiety, um, you know, when, when I had social anxiety period, um, it would. It was always like I wasn't comfortable in my skin in the moment. It was, um, you know, changing my clothes numerous times a day, just tactically not feeling comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. Observing other people, trying to, um, dare I say, the word mask, um, to match those around me, and not, mm-hmm. you know, just try to try to fit in. And then finding as I'm, I'm getting older and just, um, being myself and trying to be more of my authentic self. And also like this next generation of humans, uh, I kind of adore them in one way because they are just so authentically themselves in their clothes and mm-hmm. their presentation and their I kind of feel like, um, I, it always kind of goes back to me to, um, Muppets in space. Um, but, okay. I love Muppets. I love Jim Henson I love Brian Froud, who did all the Muppet or the puppetry for um, Dark Crystal, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but uh, one of my questions is like, if you were a Muppet, who would you be? And I definitely Gonzo. And so and he, when, you, yeah, I'm just like, I, I'm like, I'm like, there's no one else like me. I don't really get it. Um, so he Muppet had chickens is, as friends. He had chickens as friends, which we both <laughs> have chickens as friends. And so kind of when the Muppets in Space came and he found his people, I was like. Mm. Um I did say to someone recently, they were trying to like, you know, kind of, you know, not let their little dorky self shine a little bit. And they're like, oh, I'm starting to make voice. I was like, no, you're a gonzo. I'm a gonzo. Let it shine. Um, (laughs) but this next generation is a bunch of gonzos. They're just like, I will wear plaid pants, a striped shirt, have long hair, orange glasses, and like my white Doc Martin's and whatever, you know. Um, and I but we live also in a particularly well I live I just said we but you're not here anymore. Um I I live <laughs> and your spirit still lives in a, a particularly quirky area. Um but I find my post social anxiety is when I'm, you know, which I had recently at so right before I went out of town to go to Pittsburgh, we had a work retreat. And the it was a Thursday to Friday overnight at a nature center and we had a bonfire and there was karaoke and I've always loved karaoke, but like too afraid to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I just have decided like, forget it. I'm doing karaoke. I don't care. I love singing, you know, um, no social lubricants at all. I was just, I'm doing it. I'm um, impressed. I know. And I, I have could... strong feelings about karaoke, but I want to listen to your story. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you do. Uh, I couldn't find a song that fit my voice range as it is now because mm-hmm. um I'm older and it too, so I was just all over the place. I, it was it I'm sure it wasn't good. um, but it was fine. and then was it um, fun? So, it was fun. That's all that matters. I really like doing karaoke with my coworker Phil. that's I, that I definitely and and my my coworker Nick, um but uh. But then, you know, also when I took a break or before I did karaoke, I don't remember. Um, I just sat and like talked to our CEO's ear off for like 45 minutes, telling him random stories about my life. And I'm like, what am I doing? But I was Were just Were you aware like, of
0: it in the moment,
1: but you just oh, yeah. stop yourself? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where well,
1: I'm just like, <laughs> talking about my dog, asking him like, so when you have a party, do you cater or do you potluck? And, like, like just- <laughs> And then so I'm like, oh, so I potluck. This is why I potluck. Now let me tell you a story. Cause I mean, as y'all have heard in the last episode, I can get going on some stories. So I was telling them about the time I threw a scrabble party, but was at a birth. So I wasn't even present. And like <laughs> my science and logistics, my be- my favorite was um my coworker. Uh, uh, she's really amazing and she puts post-its around the office. And I only ever noticed the ones in the bathroom stall. And so I'm sitting there I was like, Yeah, I'm like. Okay, I guess there are some other ones around the office, but I only ever noticed the ones in the bathroom because I think you know you're walking around the office all day. You have your armor on. You go into the bathroom. You get into the stall, and you're just like the armor falls down, and you're just like a more open receptacle to post-it notes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just talked about relaxing in the bathroom stall in front of my CEO. That's real, real fun. Um, So (laughs) I did have a little, a little like. Post social anxiety, but I'm noticing as I'm getting older, it's more of like a what the fuck were you thinking instead of a (laughs) crippling, (laughs) like, I'm like, oh my God. Like, I don't feel like my life depends on it anymore the way it did. Like, I did seriously feel like my life depended on wearing the right pants out of the house or Mm. not saying the dumb thing or not because I can get super chatty as we can all tell. Um, I love telling stories, um, and I can get going. Um, and also when I'm talking about something like social justice related, um, I can get really excited, animated, and like, um, I don't agree with this description, but it has been brought that I'm like get aggressive, I'm like, I don't not, I don't really feel I'm aggressive, but I feel like I'm passionate. Um, and um, and I listen, but I can, I can, you know, I can, I can have my feet in on solid ground and have, you know, a strong voice at times. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, going back to the observer part of the, 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 the social anxiety of, you know, I'm glad I'm moving into this, you know, as, as you know, part of this is graging you know, watching other young people, I know, and I'm close to go through social anxiety. It's, I can remember what it feels like. Like I see it and it just viscerally like floods my body in a way Mm. that I wish I could fix it. But I mean, there were times I remember being in my apartment, like I could hold a job, I could go to class, but I couldn't walk into the coffee shop down the street Mm-hmm. Couldn't couldn't open the door. Kind of like you go into your writing class. Mm-hmm. I couldn't open the door to walk in, and there was friendly people there, like people I knew, but it was too much to walk into those settings. Um, and I mean, obviously, I've gotten over it, and you know, later in life would you know go sit at a bar with a book, like we talked about, I think in the mm-hmm. last episode, and just ear hustle people all the time. But you know, I wonder what the arc is of if there's studies or i mean what the arc is of overcoming that or if there's like age markers that it starts to wane or developmental stuff i don't know i and um but i do know like when folks offer thoughts that um it's that they're experiencing social anxiety or post-social anxiety And I've heard people say like, well, I'm just always going to be like this. It's always going to be like this. I want to say no. Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't always, yes, it can, but don't own that trajectory. Um, Right. Yeah. Cause man, I, I'm probably the total opposite of what I was at 20, 21, you know, 22 even. Mm -hmm. Um. Shit can change. Um, but when you're in it, it's just man, it sucks. I wish, I wish, I think Ella was listening to some podcast that was talking about burnout and like anxiety yesterday when we were in the car driving to my mom's house. And I just there was like a pause and I was like, I'm so glad you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Yeah, <laughs> that's her response. Yeah. I'm just like, right. Yeah, of course, this is what I'm doing. Um, but, you know, and yeah, it's not always the quiet ones who always have the social anxiety either. It's sometimes the really loud ones too that, you know, go home and they're like,
0: Oh, right. And I think that, It's hard to believe when you're like a teenager or whatever. And I do believe that like, it is developmentally a very natural state. It is the state of your teen years because Mm -hmm. that whole, that whole like chunk of your life is about kind of figuring out identity. Teenagers are, you know, classically very self-absorbed because they're trying to figure out who they are and how they fit in and, you know, all of that. Right. So it makes sense that those Mm -hmm. years are rife with this level of self absorption. And because, um, one of the things, and we've talked about this many times in the past, it's like, or reminded each other, it's like, no one thinks about you as much as you do, you know? And I, (laughs) Yeah. And so, and then, you know, when that's, you're reminded of that, you're like, oh fuck, now I'm a self-centered asshole. And it's like, well, yes, but that's okay. Because everyone is, you know, it's just like really acute and huge when you're a teenager. And then it gets back. I mean, like, when does your brain stop developing? Like when you're 26, you know, so like, yeah. And so like those, it makes sense that you're still, but like culturally the society is like, well, you're, you can vote when you're 18 and you go to this bigger institution called college and blah, blah, blah. You know, Um, nobody talks about like your emotional state
1: question. what's normal and
0: what's not normal.
1: Hmm? Do, Do you remember the first time someone said to you, no one thinks about you? I've had um, people. I, no one thinks I don't, about you as much as uh, you think I don't, they do. Nobody cares. Yeah, I something.
0: don't think I've ever had anybody tell me that. I, I've read it. Oh, I tend to do gracious. all my ruminating inside, <laughs> so. <laughs> I
1: have no clue what that's like. No, I do, because <laughs> I do both. But, because yeah. I'm so, uh,
0: you know, uh, self-flagellating that way. <laughs> I'm like, I can't verbally process. This is shame, a shame,
1: a shame um Yeah, I remember you had like a year and a half or a couple of years there where you were really working hard on your stuff, and I didn't hear from you. And I was just like, "Hey, hey, friend!" And you're just like, "What yeah. period
0: was this?" uh It was when you
1: dove into the Enneagram for the first time.
0: Oh, well, I was you... also working all the time.
1: Well, yeah, that's true too. But I remember no, I had did nothing for the last five like, years in America. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's it's very true. Like I mentioned in the last podcast, I mean, we we have more contact now and, than we did back then. Mm-hmm. And to be very frank, you were really busy. And part of my social anxiety is also not wanting to bother people, like quote unquote bother. And I remember Ella, so sweet. Like she's just, Ella, Ella my youngest, just like both my kids kick ass like sea basses in their mm-hmm. own way. And one of the things Ella would used to do, she's like, you should stop by your friend Amanda's house. Have you seen Amanda <laughs> lately? And she would try to nudge me to go over to your house. And I'm like, Aww. yeah, I'll get there. But she's busy. It was always like you were, I mean, you ran like a million miles an hour and just yeah. didn't stop. And that caused me a little bit of, I don't, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to be a bother. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Instead of presenting myself and giving you the opportunity to say, Hey, I'm too busy or Hey, I have 10 minutes and being thankful that you were authentic to tell me you were too busy or to say you only had 10 minutes and not take it as rejection. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think especially there have been points um, and the and especially I would say the last ten years that my confidence um, and self worth was kind of not great. Um, so even with really close people, I felt a vulnerability of like I don't want to take up space. I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to do these things. So um, the biggest thing I could say to that is um, trust people as adults to have the autonomy to make their own boundaries. Don't make boundaries for them. You know, with right. within reason. You know, within reason. Like, um, you know, I I have been moderately stalked before, so I mean, that's that's kind of crossing line, but um, but but trusting you to sure. say like, hey, if I pulled up in your driveway, you could say, hey, now's not a good time, and I'll say, cool, dude, love you I'll try again. Um, Instead, right, I
0: and I think driveway. Yeah, and I think the beauty of like the depth of this friendship is like my feelings would still not be hurt. You know, if that if. I said that, you know, if they, if I did that to you, if you were like, no, yeah. you know, like, I just can't right now, I'd be like, all right, cool. I'm going to go to Trader Joe's or, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm just going right. to carry I'll be on like, with my
1: stuff. Yeah. Pick me up some snacks. Right. Right.
0: Um, I will say that now living in a different country, and I had, had recently, I had a couple, I'm sorry. No, I had a, not a couple, a couple days ago, I had a um, conversation. Uh, with our mutual known person, Anne, who lives in Amsterdam. Now, this is a woman who lived in Ann Arbor for many years and she moved to Amsterdam a year ago. So we recently um, reconnected because she came to the UK for like 36 hours and we got lunch and then just sat at a table and talked. So it was really lovely to kind of commiserate with somebody about what it is to be you know, almost 50 and move to a new country with your teenagers. Yeah. And just like all the shit, you know, I moved in the middle of the pandemic. She moved last year. Um, and it's really fucking hard. You know, it's really hard. And, <clears throat> and it has flared up my post social anxiety, like nobody's business. Um, where I live in this country, like, um, hmm. just things like the way, and granted, where I'm from, Ipsy, and Arbor, like people are like salt of the earth. You don't see people who go out with their hair did and their nails done. Nobody has a spray tan. Nobody wears a shit ton of makeup. Everyone's just kind of authentically, comfortably them. Whereas here, you know, I see people. One hundred percent. Also, Probably. like. Did you see that that meme I posted on my stories this week because it made me laugh so hard it's like, you know, the magazines I read in my youth had me believing that, <laughs> you know, going from day to night in my wardrobe would be a big thing and it's so far it's never shown up and it made me laugh so hard because you know, at home if I was like, hey, it's the end of the workday and somebody came by and was like, "Hey, do you want to go grab a beer?" I'd be like, yeah, and I'd either go in my fucking yoga pants and tank top and my stinky sweaty sports bra that I had on for, you know, five yoga classes, or I'd be like, let me put my jeans on, which kind of looked the same as the yoga pants, you know what I mean? And and go. Zipper and an up- here, a zipper was an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, a zipper was an upgrade. Totally. The zippers are fancy pants. And uh here I see Mm. folks and I'm like, are y'all going to a funeral or a wedding? Like, why are you so Mm. dressed up? You know, and it's so different and I can feel people look at me like nobody wears sandals when it's warm out. And if they do they're brand spanking new, nobody has walking around and like their favorite Birkenstocks or Tivas or Chacos, you know, like nobody wears them. They just look at you like you're a freak. Mm. (laughs) And I'm like. God. And then like, part of me is like, I, this is one, these are my clothes. I'm not going to conform and buy a whole new wardrobe. I live in jeans and t-shirts and, or yoga pants. Like that's it. uh And so like, I, it's so fucking weird. And it makes me simultaneously angry that I'm like, I feel people looking at me. I feel like I'm the weird 15 year old, you know, girl, you know, of of my youth of like you know
1: no you know, no, what if they're serious. looking at you admiring you for I'm, your pretty sure well in- I'm pretty sure they're not um,
0: I'm pretty sure they're not throwing
1: it out to the universe
0: yeah, pretty sure they're, and they're not uh it because it's kind of like the real housewives of you know, pick the oh, yeah. city of your choice, but like it's not because people have money, it's just that's how they go out into the world and it's it's bizarre to me.
1: And that's why I feel so
0: isolated, you know, because I'm like, where are my people?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, also realizing people who, you know, might do that because they love it, might do that because they feel like, I mean, that's their own way of, I mean, I'm not going to judge. 100%. And so, yeah, I don't mean to judge But it's just when they, but when they like, it. well, it's kind of like, like, I mean, even here, it's like going difference between like. I walked my dog in my pajamas and my little hookah slides this morning, Walked around the park, didn't have a brawn, just was like, I'm walking my dog today because it's seven thirty right. on Saturday. Um but, you know, I I I I am aware that if I am going into Ann Arbor, which is our neighbor town, um, that houses the University of Michigan, um I am more aware of the clothes I put on, you know, versus what I would wear walking around Ipsy, which is a little bit more salt of the earth, Um, you know, and I don't necessarily feel like people look or stare at me because I think a bunch of different types of people but I definitely there's this, um, there's just an extra layer. For sure. Um, yeah. And also, you know, I and I also have always wondered of like being self-employed in, you know, this area in that town of like people I run into or uh people who, you know, I I I it just, you know, that I'm I mean, I I do have a nine to five job now, but I'm also still self-employed. Um mm-hmm. and I remember uh when I first started teaching, I mean, I do have tattoos and the like, and this was in the early the early 2000s, which I don't know, they call them the aughts. I've heard people call it aughts. Yeah, so, it's yeah. the aughts. It's it's the aughts, which, um, I don't know, early 2000s. Um, when I first started teaching and I was, you know, I was like in my early 30s, late 20s, early 30s, adult, you know, two kids, you know, they had a house, mm. you know, pretty, you know, not, you know, uh, and I wouldn't wear short sleeves downtown when I would go to the farmer's market because I didn't want people to judge me for my tattoos. This, I, and I, I, know, I know like tattoos are like, you know, very normalized now, but in the early aughts. They weren't not, then. They weren't. They weren't at all. And so um, there, there was Also, we I tended to have,
0: before. I'm sorry, we also
1: <laughs> ha- tend
0: to have, um, you know, a handful of very conservative Christian clients who yes. would lose their shit if they saw. <laughs> that it we is. had tattoos or that we're telling our kids would you fuck it? sit down you know and you're like i'm ah, sorry i said that honey but sit down for real you know yeah. <laughs> you couldn't there, be a bad a- mom
1: you couldn't show your tattoos yeah you know even having like a nose ring was like ooh, you know or dyeing yeah. in your hair and um and now it's just totally normalized but it's it's strange to think that that was 22 years ago or 20 years ago now but um little story time, because, you know, every time I get I have story time. Um, when I was teaching one of my childbirth ed classes, this is after I was 35. And I did a St. Baldrick's um, fundraiser, which is a fundraiser annually raising money for children's cancer. And I decided to do it in St. Baldrick's. Um, I committed to raise like $4,000, of which I did. Um, and so I shaved my head on St. Patrick's Day that year. And they shave it with a a hair buzzer with no guard, um like they don't so it's to it, your scalp, but yeah, it's to my scalp, so it went from mm-hmm. like below my shoulders um to my scalp and um and i it's the best feeling ever by the way, if ever you get a chance to to shave your head hundred percent oh my gosh, it's so head. amazing um. And it made it a lot easier. Nothing will make you question your uh, cultural conditioning more than shaving your head when you're a woman. Yeah. So empowering. It's, it's, and also like, this is a total aside from my, my main story, but like when I was out and about, it's really funny. White people thought I had cancer and, um, people of color just complimented me. They're like, love your haircut. Like, thank you. Appreciate that. And white folks were like, are you. I'm thinking about you. Are you okay? You go girl. You're killing it. I was like, just, you're my prayers. I'm like, I, just, I I didn't, I have, and I was like, I have eyebrows. I haven't lost my hair. You know, it's like, um, not Do I see my armpits. No. Yeah. And, uh, which when I did went through chemo, I didn't lose my hair. So everybody's like, you look great. I was like, you want to see my ostomy bag? Um, right. But anyway, I digress. Um, so when I shaved my head for this fundraiser, I was teaching, you know, childbirth ed classes. And I also, the <laughs> story gets even better. In the fifth grade, I was tripped on the playground and I have half a fake tooth. And <laughs> when my, when my tooth falls out, I, it usually takes me a week to get back into the dentist. So I'll take like dental wax and kind of sculpt a new tooth. And it's just, it. and sometimes it comes out and, but it's like my front twofer. It's and so the I had funniest a
0: thing. I'm sorry. I love it you when you have seen go. it.
1: It's been a while. So it's, I'm probably up for losing it soon. Oh, knock on wood. I don't want to deal with that. Um, <laughs> so uh so I was teaching class, shaved head, you know, half a tooth that was like coming in and out. And I just called it out I was like, look, this happened and so like I have this replacement. And someone goes, "Yeah, if you just had tattoos, that'd be a, you know, trifecta." And I just lifted <gasps> my arms and I'm like, "Oh, like these? And he was like, he just went silent because I was like asshole. Wow. I was yeah. like, just watch what you say, buddy. You know, I talk um, about post social
0: anxiety. I was just
1: like, I was like, okay, okay, we're doing well. I was also just feeling I was feeling amazing after I shaved my head. I really mm-hmm. do recommend as um people, but especially as women. If you ever get a chance to sh- I know you shaved your head. And um, if you get a chance to shave your head for any reason, I highly recommend it. Um, it is it is I, I think I kept that haircut for oh, a long time, a number of years. I like a few years I kept that haircut and Ella was um Ella did not dig it. She was at a <laughs> younger age. She was like six or five, and it just really bugged her that I looked different. And um, and it's really funny, like. Folks would come along and kids would go like, why doesn't she have any hair? Mm-hmm. And moms would like scuttle their kids along like they were embarrassed or something. And I was like, just ask. I'm like, I'll tell you that I, I did mm-hmm. it to raise money for kids with cancer. Like, right. I, I, or if you just did it because you're like, I wanted to see what I look like without any hair. But um, anytime I started getting bedhead, like a little bit of lay down when I got up, I kept it at a one guard for years and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. So, um, so yeah, doing radical things like that can also help, you know, bust you out of post-social anxiety, but I don't know. That was a long story, but yeah, I thought it was a good one.
0: I wanted to talk about when I was thinking about this podcast coming up and I, um, this topic rather, uh, we wanted to just, you know, I knew we'd tell a couple of stories, um, but I also wanted to talk about how we combat it. And I had three things that came up. And one of the first one, which I'd already said is that, you know, just remembering that no one thinks about you as much as you do. Um, the second one I wrote was, uh, you know, if there's something I said or did that makes me uncomfortable, I need to sit with it for a day or two and then reassess. So not Climbing all into my own, like, oh, I can't believe you said that. They probably think this, that, and the other. Like, they probably don't think anything because go back to line number one, they don't think about you as much as you do. But, you know, sit with it for a couple of days and reassess, and it's likely not even a thing. And if it is an actual issue, then maybe reach out to that person and say, you know, I I feel kind of uncomfortable that I said this or I, you know, did that. Um, And, you know, just, you can check in, but like, I feel like 98% of the time, if you sit with it for a couple of days, it's just not an issue. Nobody's thinking about it. Right. Um,
1: yeah. Giving it time to diffuse. Right. And yeah, then, and- um, oh,
0: yeah. oh, I'm sorry. I just have one no. more. Third one is to lean in and to own my own weirdness, um, my own patterns of speech, my own uncomfortableness and just lean into that with compassion and acceptance because if people are particularly um people who are perhaps coworkers and friends or new friends or whatever um if they're around me like they're going to have to accept, you know, a certain level of my weirdness and I need to as well
1: so it starts but, with self love that's right and you will and I think also, like we talked about the people pleasing part a little bit the last time. And I think sometimes social anxiety is tied to people pleasing as well of like, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of getting to the point where I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Um, right. I'm still struggling with that a little bit, but, um, but yeah, not everybody has to like me or like my chattiness or like my stories. And that's, and that's, and that's okay. Um, it, I don't know if I totally believe that, but that's what I tell myself. <laughs> I, I do want to be like, I, I even it's hard to say I'm getting stuttery. I'm like, I do want to be liked. I do want, you know, but I, but I know it's not possible that everybody is going to be okay with what I say. and And also if everybody's okay with what I'm saying, I don't know if I'm actually being authentic and being yes. true to myself. I'm true to what I believe if I'm, if I'm doing what everybody says. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, have I had post-social anxiety after something at work. Um, and I was like, Ooh, yeah, like this is, I think I referenced it last time of like, there's a scratchy moment that I I can take as a learning moment. And, um, sometimes our social anxiety can make us a little, um, defensive. Well, I was like, sometimes my social anxiety makes me a little defensive. And so really, you know, getting to a point where instead of building the story in my head, um, which is really just realizing like all these things are just stories we create in our own head, instead of building the story, I create in my own head um, holding space for curiosity. And in this, you know, in one situation, I have something that, you know, felt a little scratchy. And so, you know, I, I rounded back to the person and said, Hey, can we talk about this? And approaching it from a place of curiosity of saying like, so this was the experience I had, what was your experience with this? And, um, and I understand that is a level of vulnerability, um, but stopping the, the stories of, you know, I think you and I have talked in the past of like, um, working through things and and sometimes approaching another person, if you're having those moments and saying, okay, uh, Amanda, you know, we had this exchange and this is the story I'm telling myself. This is the story my mind has. Mm -hmm. And I want to share with you because I'm seeking any, you know, clarification from you that, you know, yeah, the story is valid or, you know, the story is not valid or this is the story that you have. And, um, and, and it's something that I started to work on in in relationships um because yeah also owning that like our imagination um totally. you know our own filters our own you know the 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 color of the glasses we see the world through is our own um, I think there was a, a Miguel Ruiz book um, the four agreements or I think it was the four agreements um, or one of his associated books like that but he talks about each person you know their own their life is a movie theater and you can see the same periods of time in each movie theater and the movie's totally different because mm-hmm. it's through mm-hmm. the lens of the human um and uh you know trying to be more mindful as I'm getting older and empty nesting and have a little bit more bandwidth um of you know what what are my what are my personal tenets of walking through the world um, or you know in the in the in the in the words of the uu or any you know, you know what what is my own personal credo you know what is my what are my agreements to myself um, and walking with integrity and openness and vulnerability um, and when I think of my social anxiety what comes to mind every single freaking time almost is being in like, you know, I was super dorktastic as a kid and, um, and really quirky in school and didn't really fit in. And I remember there was a time they were playing kickball and, um, I I remember like the, someone threw the kickball at my head for some reason. Cause you know, the eighties were really, um, Great. Yeah, it was really horrible. It was um, really horrible. About as horrible as the movies we referenced last week. Um and I was a tar, I was a bigger kid. I was dorky. Um, I remember getting a kickball to the head, and I remember Brian uh name. Um, I don't know where he Do we is have to now, like but... beep out people's names? Boop. That's the second know. time you did a
0: first and last name mention of something.
1: Okay. This this kid named Brian. Um <laughs> You can edit that out. Uh, This kid named Brian, um, he, you know, defended me, and people were like, "Oh, is she your girlfriend?" And he's like, "Yeah, she's a girl, and she's my friend." And for some reason, that has stayed in my life of like times that I really felt like I just got a kickball to the head, whether. I threw it at myself through my own social mm-hmm. anxiety, or someone shot me a look, or it always feels like that kickball to the head. For and, real? Then yeah. I, and then I, and then I think of, you know, the, the one person who like defended my dorkiness when I was, and he was a cool kid, you know, mm-hmm. and he, and like defended my dorkiness. And, um and just remembering that, you know, for some reason it's that moment in my life is just like, just be your dorktastic self. Yes, I let my dorktastic self fall to the wayside. You know, especially in middle school, um, I worked much harder at fitting in, which was excruciating. Um, but, but yeah, having those little those little beacon moments for me of um, you know the little cheerleaders of self love um, as far as combating it and leaning into the 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 weirdness um but yeah I don't know why I just told that story but um
0: because post-social anxiety feels like a fucking kickball to the head
1: (laughs) pretty much so
0: it's so fast and abrupt
1: yeah it's like okay and you think you're
0: fine and then you get hit in the head (laughs) (laughs)
1: And then you and then you open your eyes and you just like I just remember opening my eyes and you see a sea of people just kind of snickering, you know, and that's it was like it 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 was like a lived experience of what it feels like when you go out into the world and you know when someone gives you that look or but I'm old enough now to understand if someone gives me that look, it's from their their, own insecurity. You know, it's that's that's their stuff, um, because I find, you know, you know, I'm, I'm here on this planet to build, build people up. And if someone wants to judge me or tell me I'm too loud or tell me I talk too much or I dress too weird or whatever, I'm like, that's not mine. That's not my baggage to carry. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. if you're telling me that I'm I'm going to take that and be like, no, that's your baggage to carry. I'm not, I got my own backpack of shit you can keep that baggage because that's not mine. So, 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 so there. So there. So so Um, there. And I I stomp my foot like a baby child. Good. Good. Yeah. Good.
0: Well, I think we both laid it out and we both kind of said what helps us um, knit that shit in the bud and that's good. Um, I wanted to point out We've gotten, you know, some lovely feedback from people who've listened and we appreciate you and we beg of you to keep listening and to share it with your friends because it really Yay. helps us. Um, people were nice. People were nice. Thank Yay. you for being nice. Um, and a couple of things. One person had asked, um, they definitely want us at some point to talk more or have an episode that's specifically about birth stuff, about our experience in birth. Um, and clearly just in any conversation, we tend to pepper it in because we've both spent, well, are you saying giving a, birth
1: or, or working no, no, in the birth working
0: field? I think working in birth perhaps, um, um, which we did for so long. We, and we did it simultaneously. and We also helped each other out during those years. We had a zine called the birth project, um,
1: which I have every with, issue. Yeah. It took me four years to find every issue and get it like, in my hands, but I haven't.
0: I know. I need to like scan them and do the PDF thing. Anyway, um, so I'm just going to put it out there because we have such a, kind of a vast, but maybe weird, not traditional experience of working within birth. Um, if anybody has distinct questions uh, that they want to throw our way. Um, please do.
1: And just just so if people don't know, I have been a birth doula for 20 some years and I've been a birth doula trainer for 15 some years. And Amanda was a home birth midwife. Um, so just giving y'all some context of when we say kind of non-traditional approaches to birth, um, Mm -hmm. Well, but you very aptly pointed out when, um, so when I had to get up last Sunday to go to the airport and I set my alarm for 5.30 um, the night before, but apparently I set my alarm for 5.30 PM (laughs) because I got a text from my coworker. Mind you, we're flying. I got a text from my coworker at 6.20 saying, I'm here. And I was in bed asleep. So luckily I had all my stuff ready. I ran my head under the sink. I did a sink shower and I was in her car by, um, what was it? Like six thirty-three? Yeah. It um, was really fast. It was really fast. And I had everything ready to go. And Amanda's like, yeah, that's just like your coworker is so lucky that you have years of training of being able to get up and out of a house for a long period of time in a very short period of time.
0: So, <laughs> right? I, I do, I do with fresh myself. breath. I believe I with said with fresh breath because I yeah
1: my hair was not all, all flustered, but, um, yeah, those, those, those skills of getting up and out when you get called and someone's like, oh. you're like, I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, there's, there's, there's funny stories. There's, there's, there's a whole bunch of stories that could be yeah. shared. So if
0: you have any, any questions that you want us to think about, um, either from a birth doula perspective, a home birth midwife perspective, um, as people who have given birth,
1: <laughs> we are always happy to launch We're into that. We've talked about it for 20 years. And also just anybody who's worked with us, we won't be talking about anybody else's personal story, We will keep but... you
0: confidential. And I will most definitely edit out Kate's um, first
1: and last name dropping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It wasn't anybody who did birth. No, 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 it's, no, 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 it's fine. With.
0: Yeah, don't, don't be concerned. Or if you write to us, cause you did experience a birth situation with us and you're like, you can say my name. We'll say your name. Say my name, say my name. That's right. So that is one episode that we'll be thinking about and putting together. And we welcome any questions or input. We do have Instagram account at Graging Acefully. And then we also have... An email which is just acefully at gmail.com so you can get a hold of us that way and then one more about. thing before we yeah before we wrap up um we are about to enter spooky season and we want to uh get into some ghost storytelling and sharing we both have stories and i think it could make for a fun episode um so, yeah, I don't know. We always have so much, damn much to talk about, don't we? Um, I feel like we could do an entire
1: episode on owning chickens. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> Riveting. Well, I, was, uh, I was on Facebook the other day and a story came up when we heard um, the chickens squawking in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and, like, I ran outside. And- Turns out
0: that episode is happening right now about chickens. I know,
1: <laughs> and I ran outside and one of the chickens didn't make it in the coop and my partner at the time I'm like give me a flashlight because you're like going into like, like a coop that you know we made is kind of like you know like give me a light and instead of giving me a light they just took photos of me the entire time as I'm grabbing this chicken and running thinking there's like a raccoon or something because we have lost some right rac- you know yeah we have lost some chickens to some critters same so. um but just for the sake of that story what was going on with that chicken um, I I do think that there was a predator, and um, there it was. Yeah, it they, was an air chickens let you know, don't they? Yeah, they do let you know. But like, it ended up being like a a a dark, blurry picture of a Sasquatch holding a chicken. Um, that I'll share with you later. I'll find it's it. a mythical <laughs>
0: chicken thing. <laughs> okay, so like, quick, one more chicken story, and I'm gonna shut the hell up. Um, See, we, this, do the on chicken. we totally could. So so my cousin Missy, I will say her name. Hey, Missy. Hey, she hey, Missy. lives in florida and she'd recently gotten chickens i think they're they're like grown chickens i think she you know um inherited somebody who couldn't keep them anymore lovely lovely chickens and um this is middle of the day i think it was like mid-morning or something she hears the chickens because chickens will let you know if they're scared they get super noisy and um yeah anyway so she could hear them all squawking and she looks out the window and there's a fucking bear a bear in Florida, in mid Florida, just like crawling, and she's like in a like a neighborhood subdivision situation, um, and she ran out there and like was like, "Get out of here, get!" And I was like, "What were you thinking?" And it reminded oh, me oh. of uh, I can't remember which little house in the Prairie book it was, but there's an incident. I think it's the Long Winter, oh, maybe because it's snowy and a bear. Yeah comes and ma ma Ingalls runs out and she shoes the bear away from the property and i was like you're like ma Ingalls." anyway um and the bear went away and she called like dnr to be like there's a bear in my subdivision and they're like yeah it's probably just trying to get back to the woods you know like it was climbing fences chain link fence um, poor buddy um
1: PSA: don't freely just shoe bears they you no, know
0: not recommended not, that was no. a weird impulse just psa also, don't do that don't all. do that. But can I tell you what she calls her chickens collectively? What? It's Jennifer Lopez and the Revolution.
1: <laughs> oh, Isn't that great? So many, I do Hennifer love that. Lopez and the Hennifer Revolution. Lopez and the Revolution. Yeah, no, that's that's. I remember Ellen naming all of our chicken. I still have the piece of paper that she grafted out on. Yeah, I actually have more chicken stories. I really could go. It's like the time oh, that no. we came home from a. This is back a long time ago, and we went out drinking. Last and chicken story, yeah. Probably drank, probably drank too much and walked home from the, the pub. And um, one of our chickens was just dead in the uh, coop. Like, she just hmm. fell over, died. And I, rem- I remember grabbing the chicken and taking her inside and being like, the chicken died. And just show, we're both, you know, drunk. Okay. And I, and, and, and so like, and I, and I think it was winter suit. So like, cause we bury him in the yard and I was like, I mm-hmm. don't know what to do. So I just put the chicken in the garbage, which I was like, oh gosh. And woke up in the morning and I was like, why are there chicken feathers in the kitchen? <laughs> and then I remembered what happened. I was like, oh shit, the chickens. dead. Oh
0: my God. See, that's the sort of thing that could get you burned at the stake back in the day. They'd be like, that was lesbian witches. Oh, dude. Are- drunk on the spirit juice and they've got a chicken on the kitchen table at two in the morning.
1: Oh, and then there's a the time we had the bonfire in the garden and we germinated a whole bunch of weeds. And so like when we had the garden that year, it was like a big circle of just weeds because we burned a lot of shit in the middle of the garden. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah we times. would I I would have been burned the steak a long time ago. <laughs> <Before> <laughs> <the show. Before laughs> the show. Or I'd be hiding in the hiding in a cave in the woods and people would come visit me. I wear my. I I just have this whole being in my mind now of who I would be in the 1700s. Um, (laughs) Running for the hills. Okay, so we are getting ready for a spooky uh, podcast. Um, If anybody wants a chicken podcast, let us know. But also, if you want us to just talk about, throw us a topic. That'd be fun too. Yeah, Um, I mean, I do have a list,
0: but I'm kind of also like loving the little comments that we're getting. That's kind of.
1: I know. Spreading I, I do thank love you for the comments. Love. Yeah. Um, share share it forward, all the things.
0: Okay. Fruit so flies. we should wrap up. Um, yeah, fruit flies in my
1: face. Uh all right. Yeah, let's wrap it up. We'll all wrap right, it so, up. So uh anything this week that you're digging? I am reading uh
0: another book by Elizabeth Strout, S T R O U T. Um, she's really a great um writer. And, um, so she's got like a handful of books and I highly recommend them. Looks like there's maybe seven or eight of them. Um, but I'm reading a second book called Oh, William by her. It's really good. She's an amazing writer and food wise. What am I into? Hmm. What am I eating? I'm just, I'm in a, a phase of, of eating where I just want other people to cook for me because, I think I'm doing like the kind of ADHD flares where I get really, I've just been getting really involved in projects and then realizing that I should have eaten four hours ago.
1: That's been happening all week. Yeah. I, I I did talk to Sam that he should get some lessons from you on cooking Indian food. So um, might get some recipes from you there for Sam. Um, <laughs> total aside. <laughs> I wish somebody would much. come cook me some Indian
0: food because what happens See, is I just eat toast three times a day because it's been so long and I'm hungry and I need to eat.
1: And uh, I should, I should send Sam over to learn to cook Indian food for you on his, you know, when he's in school. It. There we go. Um, I learned okay. how to
0: cook Indian food from a a, a doula uh, exchange it, situation, but it that's was another amazing.
1: story. Thank so you, Aparna. Good. We love you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Aparna. Um Okay so what am I doing I have been I started reading um Dare to Lead um which I've tried listening to with audiobook but that's just not a book I can audiobook very well and have it um sink in very well so I've been reading that with my pencil in hand and underlining and taking notes um and then I just received in the mail um I wish I had it in front of me because I don't know the author, but, um, and I haven't started reading it yet. So maybe I'll save it for another time, but, um, someone sent me, sent me a book to read. Um, and luckily it's not very thick because I read kind of slow, but, um, I'll, maybe I'll save that one for next time. So Ooh, a little teaser there for you. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> the <cliffhanger.
1: laughs> so I'm reading Dare to Lead, um, by Brene Brown and I just kind of want to, um, bathe in Brene Brown right now. Um, And Mm. what am I digging on food? Uh, I feel like this one's always kind of loaded. So I have had, because I had my work retreat and, um, you know, I'm being gone for a number of days. Our fridge was ridiculously empty. Um, So I did go grocery shopping on um, Thursday, yesterday after work. And um, I went to Trader Joe's, which we love. And they have this vegan caramelized onion dip. Mm, Yeah. And it's good. And I almost bought crackers while I was there, but because I was very excited to buy the rice crackers when I was there, like a month ago, I have like three packages of rice crackers. So I didn't buy regular crackers. So I'm eating vegan caramelized onion dip on rice crackers. And I didn't, um, I had a craving for it last night, but, um, I didn't satisfy it. So I was up at three o'clock in the morning this morning and um, ruminating about some things as you do when you're middle-aged and it's three in the morning. And so uncharacteristically to me, I got up and had some uh, vegan, Joe's vegan caramelized onion dip on some rice crackers. And then, um, you know, because I wanted something to balance out, I um, also busted out the honey greek yogurt from trader joe's um and i went to grab a spoon but i grabbed a fork but it's greek yogurt so you could just you know it worked then i woke up this morning and there was like it, it was it was like i came home drunk from the bar last night and ate rice crackers there, there was chicken like, feathers everywhere. <sighs> yeah, it's like it's like the chicken feather moment but it was like rice cracker crumbs like everywhere i was like i i cannot this is not appropriate um so i just continuing on the rice crackers <laughs> <laughs> right. and I highly recommend the vegan caramelized onion dip at Trader Joe's and they are not our sponsor. I just happen to really like Trader Joe's.
0: Right. So. Okay. And, um, wrapping this up, I do feel like we need to plug our shit. Kate, you have a doula training coming up in
1: November dates for Ooh. that. Uh, the fifth and the sixth, it's Saturday and Sunday, eight 30 to six o'clock. Um, it and is people online. want more info. Where do they Go find it? www.katestroud.com. Uh, yeah, you can find more information there and, uh, the cost is $350 and after you take the training, you will be able to go out and attend births and you have four years from taking this training, uh, to decide whether you'd like to be donor certified. Um, after this training, you will be donor trained and you will have a certificate that can, you know, you can go out and attend births. So thanks, cool. for, thanks for the little plug there. Yeah, that's coming up.
0: Um, and I teach yoga patreon. on Patreon. Amanda topping yoga on patreon. um I try to keep it uh cheap and accessible for folks. I have hundreds of videos on there now. um I also have a handful of free videos on YouTube, but for twelve dollars a month, you get like eight yoga practices um for the month and sometimes some little extras. There's also a cheaper platform where it's $10 or cheaper tier, $10 for specific videos. So you want to help a lady worth, out and you're like, oh, you're
1: sweet. You're, if you you're like, worth $12 a month.
0: I appreciate it. Um, That is mm-hmm. about half the price of a drop-in class in the United States. So um, yeah, help your independent yoga teacher. Anything yeah, else? I no.
1: I love watching yoga with you, but um, I know I'm biased, but and and you do a wide range of practices which um I also do appreciate and there it's and some of them are just like 25 minutes which is about you know effect for it you know i can tell by
0: looking go. at my stats that that's about as long as most people watch even if it's a longer video oh even if they don't admit it and i will ask like what do you like the longer or shorter videos oh the longer and i'm like but i can tell you only watch it or do about half hour of it but <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll keep making longer videos that you won't complete. Um, no, seriously. I love y'all who have, uh, supported me over the years and, um, yeah. Graging at gmail.com and graging on Instagram. If you want to reach out, share, share the love, share with your friends and we appreciate you and we will see you next time. We're here. You'll hear us next time. There's
1: no seeing here with this platform. No, I I, ro- I still have my pajamas on with bedhead, so I don't know if seeing is. No, it's not here. <laughs> we'll hear you. We'll hear you. Well, you'll hear us next time. You'll right? hear us next time. Graging Acefully with Amanda Topping and Kate Stroud. Thanks for joining Ooh, us. So I know, smooth. right? So I know. <laughs>